Hello everybody and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who, Watch Along podcast. This week it's just me, Harry's not here. Um, I'm going to be interviewing Brian Mattox, I believe his name, or Mattox, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, I should have really checked. Um, he recently came known to Doctor Who fans through his, um, what he claims to be, the biggest collection of Doctor Who memorabilia ever, surpassing the current record of around 6,000 pieces. Um, the article you know, picks up a bit of traction with Doctor Who fans, um, because of the collection and also because of his comment regarding the casting of a female Doctor. We do talk about that in this episode. One thing I would like to point out is I apologise for any sound issues. My microphone does get slightly crackly um, around about halfway into the interview. I believe that's because of feedback I was receiving from the um, laptop speakers as I wasn't able to record the sound um, through the interview with my headphones in, I could only do it with them playing out the speaker. So apologies for that. But apart from that, everything is good. It's a good half-hour chat, very interesting, different points are discussed, and I really hope you enjoy it. So, here we go. I'm the Doctor. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Castelbereth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one we expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? <laughs> oh, there we go. So you can hear me. Hello, can you hear me too? I can. I'm just frustrated with what's going on in the world, but what can you do? <laughs> I do apologise for the delay. My laptop's been struggling with the new um with the new Facebook layer. Every time I seem to go on it seems to take an age for it to do anything. I hate the new layout. I don't understand why they keep changing it. It's becoming a slight issue, I won't lie. Isn't it though? I don't know I don't know either why. what was wrong with the old one? I know, right? It's, they seem to be trying to make it slightly more slick, I believe, but oh, who, who cares anymore? Everything's changing too quickly. <laughs> I don't like it either. Yeah, so basically, I've got a few, I've got um, a couple of questions. To basically, we've got nine questions, and we could just see how it how it flows, and I'll pick up on certain points. Cool. So, how did that original interview come around then with your local paper? Did you contact them, or did they find you? Because I know you've mentioned. Was you on the repair shop, the, the BBC programme? I was. I was. <laughs> I didn't think they'd be interested, to, to be honest, but they, they wanted me to send a, a video of the uh, collections, and I said, I'm not technically minded. I can put it on a DVD and send it. So I did that, and then that's when they said they would love to have me on. on the, I was stunned. I didn't think they'd be interested. But, yeah, so I, I got on the repair shop. Oh, so that's not too bad, sir. <laughs> Did the is that where you were found or did you contact because I know there was there's the young girl who claims she's got the biggest collection, then there's you who claim in fact you believe yours is slightly bigger. Oh, it must be. No, what happened was um there's uh, a, a Doctor Who event happening next uh summer in Wigan and uh, I contacted the paper about that because they'd made the uh, article and then I just mentioned about the collection and being on the repair shop and they said oh there's a story there and and it was just really from that. Oh cool so 
what at what point did you start to think okay this is getting quite big now my collection you know it's becoming something <laughs> greater than just uh what a lot of people would have in their bedroom sort of thing i think it was when my mum started to say it's not a collection it's a shrine <laughs> <laughs> i feel like a lot of people can relate to that <laughs> Probably. And also because, I mean, I think a lot of people will relate to the fact, you know, life's a bit crap and it's good to have some sort of escapism. And, you know, people have all had, whether it's soap operas or through a sport or whatever. And for me, it was the Doctor Who thing. Yeah, I do find that there is maybe stigmatism towards people who enjoy sci-fi as an escapism instead of a sport. Well, I'm used to that. Yeah, I know in the article you mentioned, um, like, there was been times where you felt sort of being a Doctor Who fan has maybe been a slight negative connotation to certain people. Why do you think that is? Well, it still happens now, blimey. Uh, And I think the the other problem you have with Doctor Who is it's still looked on as a children's programme. And you're forever saying it was not made by the children's department. It's never been made by the children's department. So you're forever arguing this case with them. So it's a it's a family oriented program, not a children's program. Uh, they still had this problem in the 70s when people were complaining, oh, it's too scary, oh, it's going to affect kids, and oh, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I believe I saw an interview with Peter Davison where he said that they had a lot of complaints because he shot a Cyberman, but he basically held the held like some laser gun against the Cyberman's chest, and the Cyberman fell down, and people claimed it was too violent. I think it's. I think it's also because they, we like to think of the Doctor as non-violent, but as the character has said in self-defense, it's different. Uh, but I think that's all a problem with some people thinking that. I mean, unfortunately, it's made it far worse now. They've gender-swapped the Doctor, and you've got awful fans who are just nasty now. Yeah, there does seem to be a, a division, doesn't there? Very. I'm now banned from the Wigan event next summer because I said I don't think they should have gender swapped the character why do you think that? because the backstory doesn't fit what they've done in, uh, I'm, I'm not in what way do you, because I know like they've changed the master to Missy and they had the um, the general very recently yeah, changed was, sex and race that was, that was really yeah that was really just to prepare us for the gender swap of the doctor really but uh, I mean it has been established in the 55 years that the doctors people don't gender swap but they've done it now and forced it in to make it more politically correct but they could have gone about it in so many better ways than what they've done when did they um, just because obviously I'm a you know I'm more of a new who guy you know I'm 22 at the moment so my history is currently with the new show I'm guessing the implication that they couldn't change the gender was a more classic story and what when when about did that sort of come in well it's more implied an awful lot i mean you know the they call themselves time lords time ladies and the doctor's been established as a time lord the fact that he started off as a grandfather not a grandmother in the first episode. So we had a granddaughter, which implies that they obviously have to reproduce. How does it work if a time lady's pregnant and turns into a woman? <laughs> a woman turning into a man, rather. Um, and then there's the added uh, difficulties. Um, his first companion was a time lord, and uh, she married a human. Well, how's that going to work if she turns into a man? Um, 
then there's the fact when he had his trial in 1969, he was only offered male faces when they were going to change him, as if that was all right. There's, uh, there are so many, so many instances. The fact that his race has, uh, they all choose gender-specific names. There's been the monk, there's been the Rani, his first uh, the companion, Susan. They all choose gender-specific names. And we know with the master, he can take over people's bodies. So it could work in his case. He could easily have taken over a woman's body. But um, it's, it's just been shown over and over again. That whenever uh, any of his race changed, it's always the same gender. Um, he could even, and I'd have been happy with it, to have had um, one of his own race as a female having adventures. That would have been fine. Yeah, so your, your problem is more that it's that you feel the political correctness has taken a front of the show, whereas you feel there would have been more ta- tactful ways of going around it. Well, that's certainly one, but also it's the fact that it doesn't fit with the backstory. So they've had to change. They've, they've had to change the backstory now to fit this, and now we're told that there's been lots of doctors before the, fir- the before the first one, and he started out as a little black girl. It's sort of just like, well, why did you have to mess with all that? I, know, I, I do agree there that I feel there is a lot of. Um, I feel a lot more people have a problem with there being this new canon of Doctors before William Hartnell rather than there being a female Doctor. And it's a bit disrespectful as well to the original actors, especially the first one, because we've always called him the first Doctor. Yeah, because I know that set of cast members... <laughs> you know, sorry, go on, go on, Brian. I would, have, I would have said what they could have done if they really had to go with this, and they might have been on board with it, if there was something that went wrong with his regeneration, process that made him change genders perhaps but to fit it in and change the whole backstory I just think was wrong yeah because I know there hasn't really been obviously from a production point I know Patrick Troughton said once that he would have you know he was sort of in favour of a female doctor he said there's no reason why the doctor couldn't change gender or race I think I think this 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 didn't really happen until uh, Tom Baker was leaving. He only said this uh, later on because Tom Baker said it as a joke, but he also said the companion could be a talking cabbage, and you know they never went with that one. That would have been um, a very different <laughs> show. But I suppose maybe it is about time. Maybe we've half the. I think it was in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, I'm a film. Just for backstory, I'm a film student, so weird statistics stick in my head. Um, I think about 14% of mainstream sci-fi only had female leads in 2014. So I know when we, me, me and my co-host on this one, we've spoken to, um, we re- I recently spoke to a female artist, and she was very excited that the Doctor was now a uh, now played by a female. Well, now they would be, but as I said, they could have done it in a different way rather than change the whole backstory. And the ratings are shown; it's been it's it's been taken so poorly. Um, it's been the lowest rated series since it started back in 2005. So, you know, a lot of Doctor Who fans have turned off and uh, even I've hardly been watching much of the new stuff because it's not the same show anymore. They could have done it so many better ways. In fact, we did have the, uh, um, not that long ago, the Sarah Jane Adventures and they were brilliant and that was led by a female. So would you say the problem is more with the writing then? Because that seems to be quite universal at the moment, is that the storytelling isn't as good. But people have seen that Jodie is a talented actor. 
It's the fact, as I say, it's changing the backstory. It's the, the miscasting, and it's the, it's the for me, it's the biggest thing is messing with the backstory. You know, you follow things for years and years and years, only to have it messed with and changed. And as a fan, you sort of feel... That's my issue. Yeah. So, what it's was your... not the same. Sorry, go on, bro. It's just not the same show as it used to be anymore, because they've had to do this in this particular way. Would you say part of the show, that, though... It doesn't is, help as well, but... Sorry, go on. There's a slight lag. I do apologise. <laughs> Technology. Uh, no, I, I say it's the messing with the uh, backstory to fit this in that didn't have to be done in the way it was done. And it could have been done so much better. And as I say, we did have the Sarah Jane Adventures, which was led by a female character, and it was brilliant. So they didn't really need to do this, but it could have worked in a better way. Because there are a lot of strong female characters in Doctor Who that sort of seem to have been sideswept, like Jenny. Yes, yeah, the, 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 the other argument which is annoying is that the old series was sexist because they all just screamed or whatever. They didn't always scream. There was still some strong uh, female characters in Doctor Who back in the day. It seems to have been forgotten, though. And also, I think it's important to watch those shows in the context of the time that they were produced, not in a 2020 audience. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people have complained about a 1977 story, uh, Talons of Wayne Chiang, because of some of the uh, iffy words used. But again, you have to remember this is the 70s. Of course, it's not going to be perfect now, what we know now, obviously. So, yeah, of course you do. That's a good, valid point. What was it about? What was your introduction? What was? Can you remember the first time you watched it? Well, I've watched it on and off as a child, but in the seventies, they've made it a little bit too scary. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was the first of September, nineteen seventy-nine. I even remember the date, and it was uh, Destiny of the Daleks episode one. And I remember thinking, well, I have to watch that because uh, I had Dalek toys, but I've not seen them properly on TV. And of course, they don't appear in bloody cliffhanger. <laughs> of course, that's a Davros episode as well, so it introduced Davros to you as well. Uh, well, it's Davros's second story, so we see Davros waking up at the cliffhanger for part two. So I had to watch the third episode. And then I just got hooked on the whole darn thing. If only I hadn't watched that first episode, I might have been normal. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think... Obviously, I think they retry to sort of introduce the sort of story arc, sort of come back next week to find out what happens next. With like, I know they did it with Peter, and they've done it with Jodie slightly with her most recent, with sorry, not her most recent series, her first series. Every story was sort of an individual story, but it sort of that they indirectly led into each other. It was better when we had cliffhangers because it made you want to come back and see what happened next week. So they, it's a shame they've stopped doing those. That was part of the appeal. Yeah, do you feel it's more of an audience thing of people, obviously with there being so much competition for channels now and ratings and streaming, people are maybe if they realise every episode is to be continued, they're just going to go, oh, I'm not going to watch it go out live, I'll just wait till it's finished and I'll just binge watch them in one go. Well, 
It's a lot easier these days. I mean, a lot of the older fans have always said, see, you're quite lucky in the respect you won't know, but back in our day, you, you, you couldn't record things. You couldn't have, there was no catch-up services. There was nothing. You had to watch things live. So if there was a cliffhanger, you had to watch to see what happens next. Because once an episode was shown, that was it. You wouldn't see it again as far as you knew, unless there was a repeat. It was a lot harder. And a lot, so, and a lot of those really early days episodes, some of them, especially the Trouton era, they're not even not even here anymore. Oh, no. Oh, how annoying. <laughs> yeah, 96. Have you been able to catch up on some of the animated stories? Of course I have. Yeah. I've got the um, new DVDs at the moment that are coming out. With, I've got one put aside for Christmas because they've just done Fury from the Deep from 1968. Uh, it'll never be as good as, but it's the next best thing to have in it. So yes, I've got all the animated ones. Is what is what would you say is you know your prized possession? What's the one thing in your collection that you go? If I if I could just have one thing, what would it be? It's probably what it's probably a nostalgia thing. But when I was uh, a child, they brought out these action men style figures. Uh, Dennis Dennis Fisher was a, a big toy company in the seventies, and they did games and toys. And we'd never we'd only ever had Daleks in the sixties and seventies, uh, and then Dennis Fisher comes along with these action men figures. Oh, I love those. Um, I had the Tom Baker. Uh, the TARDIS and some Daleks in a canine. I never had the whole set at the time, which I annoyed at. Uh, obviously, I've had to track some of these down because when you're a kid, you play with them to death. Um, but I've got them now boxed and whatnot in the original boxes. So I love those because there's the nostalgia of them at the same time. And they're so ridiculously expensive if you can find them. Crikey, I've seen a Dennis Fisher Dalek go for 700 quid. It's mad. I've got the Leela figure, boxed mint condition, and she's uh, that. She that was on the well, the one show showed this to see how much it was worth, and this is ten years ago, so it'll be more now. And it was worth about four hundred quid. It's a doll. It's mad. So I love those Danny Fisher figures. Do you think it is people just wanting to reconnect with child, childhood memories and complete sets that they didn't have and sort of have that sort of maybe sense of closure from when they were a kid? I'm sure there's some of that with, with it, you know, but not everyone's as daft as me. But uh, there's just, there is a nostalgic thing. I mean, whenever I watch old Doctor Who, I remember it from the days I saw it in, even uh, in 1981, the BBC did the Five Faces of Doctor Who repeat series, where they did one story for each Doctor. So, of course, this is 1981. We'd, we'd never had that sort of thing before. There was no way you could go and buy the video DVD of these things. And I think that cemented it as well with a lot of Doctor Who fans being able to see old stories before they were born. So, yeah, I think there's all that. So, just watching those, I remember that repeat season from being 11. It's mad. But yeah, I think there's an awful lot of an attachment with the nostalgia of it. So can you sort of remember then when these sort of classic episodes, you know, the Hartnells, your Troutons, your Pear Trees, started to come out on what would have originally been VHS? Can you remember that transition? I got the the first one. (laughs) 1983, Uber. And they issued on VHS the very first story, Revenge of the Cybermen, at bloody flaming £39.95, which was an awful lot of money. 
you did not you know, you're so young in the 70s the 60s you had uh, it's, it, in a sense it was just like a big torch but you could feed these pictures through it and then they would project the pictures onto a wall and however close or far away you put it it would make the picture look bigger on the wall and these were little film threads you could fit through to tell a story projected on your wall you're just too young to remember these things. This was the height of technology in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> what is, would you say one of your rarest items is your most expensive item as well? It probably must be. As I say, those Dennis Fisher figures go for 700 quid for a doll. It's crazy. So I'm assuming things like that. But as I say, there is the couple of 60s items as well. So it's really hard to say. Um, but going off the price, they must be the most rarest. What's the most, as in, what's the most you've spent on an item? What's the what's the most you've gone, okay, this is the line, I won't spend any more than this. Hard. Well, I thought it was the Doctor Who projector set at 300 quid, but I'd forgotten. When we went into lockdown, I, I really needed something to cheer me up because I was so fed up. And then uh, on uh, eBay, somebody was selling the. How do you describe this? It's you. You could have you heard of Danbury Danbury Mint? They usually produce things that you have to collect. I'm familiar with the name, yeah. Yeah, they did a, um, a badge set, and they, you had to. You, they would give you a police box uh, that you could uh, put the badges in, and you collect them. And it's a three-dimensional box of there's badges on each side and they're made out of gold each badge and i think there's th- 60 odd badges so there's like 15 on each side uh that that 400 quid must have been the most expensive and that's only because i was so fed up with lockdown i need to so much to cheer myself up and i just thought sod it and they are they are made of gold Oh, that's good. <laughs> so at least you can melt them down and sell them if times get really hard. <laughs> I can't <give> up. <laughs> I have, I have got um, a Doctor Who record. I've got the records as well. They did singles in the sixties. They didn't, they didn't chart. And Fraser Hines did a Doctor Who record in nineteen sixty-eight. And uh, at a Doctor Who convention, I, I showed him the uh, actual record which he signed, but he was gobsmacked. Anyone had these things? So, and I think John Perry did one as well in nineteen seventy-two, and I got him to sign his, and I think he was quite shocked because he wasn't going to do any autographs. But when I produced this record, he did. He he, he signed that as well. Yeah, I don't think people realised there was actually Doctor Who records. Yeah, was, was the was the pair three? I, I'm guessing was the pair three record? Was it just? Um, it, I imagine it was pair three. Pair three, not him as the Doctor. Well, yeah, it was John Pertwee playing the Doctor, uh, saying a Doctor Who poem over the Doctor Who theme tune. Oh wow! I had no idea that even existed. It's stuff like that that they would never. You would never get anything like that now. I know, and it's so sad because it was quite cool. It was cheesy, but it was cool. Um, 1968, there was a, a group that did uh, the disco version of the Doctor Who tune. That actually did chart, amazingly, at number 28. Yeah, and of course, there's the big number one single, Doctor in the TARDIS, in 1988, and that yeah. went to number one. But yeah, there's, there's quite a few in the 60s that didn't do anything, which I have got. 
So, all in all, we know you've got all the VHSs, all the magazines, these badges that you've spent £400 on, the £300 toys and all that. How much, all in all, do you reckon you've spent? <laughs> well, we're dreads. It must be uh, over the 40-odd years. Well, thankfully, a lot of it was um, Christmas and birthdays. People would foolishly feed my addiction. So, it's hard to what I spent, but there must be a good few millions or thousands of pounds spent in that room alone. Blimey. I've even got a full Doctor Who fruit machine that still works. How would I get that fixed if it plays up? I don't know. And that's still got all the sound effects. I'm it's that's still got all the sound effects and Doctor Who noises in it still working. What's the most recent purchase? What was what's the last thing you bought? Was it the badges? No, probably the uh, new Doctor Who DVD, The Fury from the Deep, that's been animated from 1968. But it's been put away for Christmas because if we're going to have a crap Christmas, I'll have that at least to look forward to. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I think a lot of people are now saving up for the rest of the year again. What can, what will cheer me up later on? Whoa. Exactly, blimey, it's going to be rubbish. So, yeah, at least I've got that for too. Because I imagine then there you won't be watching the Doctor Who Christmas special this year, then. Well, it'll be through gritted teeth. <laughs> have you have you seen any of the, the new stock, the new episodes, or is it just not bothered? No, I have, because I've also cheated, because I, re- I refuse to buy the new DVD, so I've recorded them and put them on DVD myself, so I've got them for free. <laughs> so another part of the collection that therefore must be incomplete as well. <laughs> yeah, because I won't buy the officials on those now. Crikey. It's just not the same show anymore. But would you say not part of the show is the element of change? Yeah, um, you know, this is another argument that the uh, female Doctor Who fans have said, and I've said, change is fine, but when you have to change the whole programme to fit changing, that's not right. Like like I said, if they've done it a different way, I might have gone along with it, but to force it in with what I've got the issue with, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does, it makes sense, yeah. Well, on that note... As we're slowly coming to the end of, you know, I said we wouldn't take too long. I think we've been going for about half an hour now. I think we've had a nice chat. Um, is there anything that you don't have that you sort of think that's it? Once I have that, that's like the holy grail. That's that's what I need. Well, you'd never get these things, but there's a lot of 1960s items I wish I could have. Um, there was a 1965 Dalek dressing up costume, and one of my friends had it, and it was thrown away. <laughs> there are thousands now, bizarrely. The, the factory that made these things apparently went to, got burnt down. So uh, they, they only made a limited amount, but there were thousands. Crikey, I would have loved those. So if you had the t- if you had the time, or if I was super rich, <laughs> yeah. But if you're super rich as well, there's a company called This Planet Earth that does produce full size Doctor Who props. I could never afford those. You can buy a Dalek for three thousand pounds. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, it's been it's been. 
it's been lovely to talk to you and yeah, hear fun. about your collection. It's been uh, great. Thank you for coming on and chatting to me for a short while today. No, that's fine. Let's hope it's of use. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, I'll finish the call and um, I'll let, I'll send you some details about when this will go up. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be interested in that. <laughs> Thanks for your Val. Thank you. Don't forget to click below and subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.